So this is really exciting, isn't it? Because after years and years of listening to podcasts and getting to the end of the year and sort of waiting for that final episode of the year where they went through their top normally films, wouldn't it be? Most of the podcasts we listen to are film podcasts. Yes. Um, So top sort of 10 films, top 20 films of the year and then some of the TV podcasts maybe listening to sort of what they'd really liked in telly, telly that year. Finally, <laughs> we're, we're getting to do it. So, like, with no sense of, like, irony or, or anything else, I'm actually, I'm just really quite chuffed that we've got to the end of the year, we're still doing the podcast, and we're able to do something, like, nowhere near as good as those, but something along the same lines as those sort of podcasts. Because in previous years, sometime towards the end of the year, we have gone out and in the pub mm. done our film of the year, yep. TV show of the year, absolutely favorite serial of the year. Yeah, who who's our favorite actor? You know, best performance, and mm. we've done all of that. And we'll we? just spend the night in the pub just doing that yeah. back and forth at each other, and then we'll get really angry because someone will mention something, and then the other one will go, "Oh, I should have picked that ourselves." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, but we've actually done research on this. Yeah, we've had to great. delay recording to go make notes and uh, shuffle. I've just changed my order a oh, couple of times. You? you won't let me look at what you've been. You've been getting really sort of protective of your screen, and you wouldn't let me look at what you were doing. Well, you know what's at the top. Yeah, I probably do. Well, I probably do. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, we'll yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see, we'll see what uh, what comes out. It's going to be a bit of a different one. This one, isn't it? Different to what I suppose I would have anticipated if. Someone had said to me a couple of years ago, oh, you're going to end up making a podcast. And then I would sort of laugh maniacally at them. But I would have thought that we would have been able to do a top 10, and this is going to be films in this podcast, so top 10 films each. We're going to do a separate one for TV, aren't we? So top 10 films each. But I'm not going to be able to do that with you this year because I haven't watched 10 films. I bet you have. No, I haven't. I've gone through the list on Wikipedia and I've gone through IMDb and I genuinely haven't watched 10 films that were released this year. Right. So I'm, once this podcast is over, <laughs> I'm going to challenge myself to find 10 films that you've seen from this year. I think I'm around about eight or nine, but I haven't got a 10. Okay. So well, well, we'll see what comes of that then afterwards. Yep. Uh, that's a little challenge to get me through New Year's Eve. Remember after this podcast, we're going back to watch the darts. So, you know, don't you... don't let that take up too much of your time. <laughs> Bit obsessed with the darts at the minute, everyone. It's the darts number one for the TV. <laughs> you know what? I was going to make that joke. Thanks for that. Yeah. I was genuinely going to say number one is the darts because Boom. the darts are so good at the moment. Anyway. So what I thought I would do is um, I've got a top five. And I've got a top 10. And you've got a top 10. So what, see, I'm, I was about to say what I thought I would do, but actually, do you have a plan? Because you're quite good at this. So editorial decisions on the podcast <laughs> yeah, as per normal. Yeah. So what I would say is I'll do one, I'll do 10 to 5. Yeah. And then we go take it in turns. Okay. Um, 10 to 5, uh, I don't think I'll necessarily need to speak that much about. Mm. But if we get to one... And we'll talk about it when we've both spoken. Yes. When we both spoken about it. So if I say pick Artemis Fowl, yes. but you've got Ar- at five and you've got Artemis Fowl at one, just give we'll us a just nod. Do, yeah. do it together. Yeah. Okay, fine. We'll do it. We'll just give us a nod and say it's coming up later. And frankly, if anyone's got Artemis Fowl as their number one film <laughs> of the year, unless they've only seen, even if they've only seen one film, yeah. Yeah. Top of the morning. So, shall I start? You start, because you've got ten. 
So my number 10 is Hamilton. Right, okay. Big question mark here. Is Hamilton a film or is it a recording of a theatre production? I've thought about this more than you have. <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> this was planned to be a major film release, therefore I am keeping it as a film. So it was planned to be out in the cinemas. Yes. Is that, I can't remember that far back. When Was, was it the summer that this, because this was when Disney Plus was launched, wasn't Funnily it? Funnily enough, it was July 4th weekend. Oh yes, of course it was. <laughs> I knew there was something in the back of my head swinging around there. But yeah, this was meant to be the big release and then they moved it to They brought it forward a year. Yeah. Remember and now? launched it July 4th weekend. So yeah. <laughs> I think this is the year where film and TV have got even closer, mm. taking cinemas largely out of the game for um, a full year. And there are other things on my list that will straddle that line. But for me, this is a film. IMDb classes a film. It's in the IMDb Top 250. I think it's in the Empire Films of the Year as well, when okay. I had a quick look at Empire. I've not had a look at that yet. Mm. But yeah. yeah, I think they put it as like number 16, mm. something like that. This just hit exactly the right time. Helpless and satisfied with my two most played songs on Spotify. You sang, I mean, you still do this now. Every now and again, you'll just sing a bit of a line. Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's and then your family we'll, from? Then we'll have it in our heads all day. Thanks for that, love. Yeah. Yeah. Carrying it on. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need to say too much about Hamilton. If you don't, what? If you haven't seen it, just get Disney Plus and just whack it on. It's you can straddle it two nights like we did. We. Took yeah, it to the, um... we did it in sections, didn't we? Yeah, just because it's long. It's three hours. Yeah, but it's it's naturally in two parts because mm. it, it is a stage show. Mm. Um, got no longer that than I thought. Number nine is An American Pickle. Oh, I remember you coming back from seeing that because you went to the cinema to see An American Pickle. I did see An American mm. Pickle at the cinema. I went in knowing pretty much nothing and I was just totally charmed. It's just a, a really nice film. It's a three-in-one film in that it's a third fish-out-of-water film. It's a third about celebrity and hipster culture. And then, finally, it seems to be about I thought it was about Seth Rogen's faith, but certainly the writer's faith um, as a Jewish man living in modern America. It's the best Seth Rogen performance for years. It's not out anywhere in the UK to, on VOD or anything yet, but just keep an eye out for it because it it's such a nice little film and really, really charming. In old country of Shlupska, I am ditch digger. As far as jobs in Shlupska, it's pretty good. We are the Greenbounds, and we have American dream. I find good job in pickle factory. Sarah, I make this vow. In 100 years, our family will prosper. And then one day, everything changed. Number eight 
is Mangrove. So this is the small axe, one of the small axe films. That's right, yeah. Yeah. I have weighed long and hard about whether this is a film or not. It is a series on the BBC, but it was shown at the New York Film Festival, it was shown at the London Film Festival. It is two hours, seven minutes long, and just because the BBC are putting it on BBC first, um, it is a film, to all intents and purposes. The, the director's name has completely gone out of my head. Please remind me who has directed these films. Steve McQueen. Oh, phew. <laughs> it's just, just while you've been saying that, I've been going, why can I not remember? Because this is Steve McQueen doing a number of films throughout the course of this year, yeah. but they've been placed on the BBC. Do you know anything about this? Because you... I, I Only from what I've heard, and I, I watched a little bit of it with you when you were watching it. Was it this... Was it this morning? No, was it? it was yesterday. Uh, yeah, when I, I'm doing the thing that I normally do, where I sort of tootle around, picking yeah. up toys and watching things. I, I know it's very specifically that about... That paints a picture of me, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's more about vapour. <laughs> must pick up toys, must not have toys anywhere. So, yeah, and I know it's about um, black culture, black British culture, a lot to do with racial inequality. Mm. I know there's one that's looking particularly at education, which I'm very interested in, about inequality in education. And I know this is very much um, to do with, Mangrove is to do with uh, the police brutality and institutional racism, which obviously continues to this day. Yeah, so Mangrove was a restaurant in Notting Hill, um, an area that, in the 60s and 70s had a lot of West Indian immigrants. Mangrove was opened by a West Indian immigrant as kind of a hub that also acts as a restaurant for the West Indian community in the area. And because it was owned uh, by black people and frequented by black people, it was targeted by the police without any cause. There were protests from the English Black Panthers. Violence ensued and the first part of the film covers that far and the second part is largely a courtroom just showing the trial of the mangrove nine the people that were charged for inciting inciting riots and a fray i think the best thing i can say about this is i watched the trial of chicago seven earlier in the year feeling a bit smug that in the uk we this had never happened to us we, yeah. we'd, we'd never have this thing that's largely <laughs> forgotten about and we'd never have such an instance of something largely forgotten about, largely talked about in hushed tones. And then Steve McQueen went and made a film about an almost an identical situation two years later than the trial of Chicago 7 happened. So puts me to shame. I was educated. I was entertained. There's some amazing performances in this. This is on the iPlayer now. Just, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour and go watch it because it's such a good film. <laughs> On Sunday, the 9th of August, in North Kensington, a demonstration took place against the police, which degenerated into totally inexcusable violence. There may be some who believe that they have been the victim of injustice at the hands of the police. Others who, like parasites, feed on these beliefs and seek to turn them to their own advantage, deliberately creating hate and violence. These defendants are all guilty of the serious criminal offence. This attack on a black establishment is not an isolated event, but a sustained campaign against black people. And today we are saying enough is enough. Number seven, and it feels like an age since I've seen this, but Jojo Rabbit. 
Yes, and you know what? When I've been listening to people's top 10, top 20s of the year, mm. Jojo Rabbit's been coming up more than I anticipated. And I think, again, like you say, it's been such a long time since... Oh, it feels like such a long time since it, it came out. Well, it was released on New Year's Day. Mm. And I think I went and saw it, if not New Year's Day, the day after or something you did, like because that. Because you knew it was going to be an Oscar... Um, yes. Something that was going to be talked about at the Oscars, and mm. I remember you saying, "Oh, I must go and see that because I want to be prepared for the Oscars." It's interesting that it's appearing in a lot of people's top ten of the years because it got a lot of one star reviews mm. at the time, and I think it's probably just the subject matter, yeah. um, which everyone will, everyone listen to this, I suspect, will be aware of, or you can find it online. But it's an incredibly tough subject, but it comes through, I think, through many through the performances of the of the absolutely stellar cast. It's charming, it's funny, and at the same time has those moments where you just get punched in the stomach. Jojo Betzler, 10 years old. Today, you join the ranks of the Yunvok in a very special training weekend. It's going to be intense. Moving on to number six is 1917. Oh, um, I was about to say the Dunkirk film, but Not, no, no, it's just I get really confused because the the look of it, the look of the um the all the production and the marketing just reminded yeah. me of Dunkirk because we had that out the other day but of course it's it's not Dunkirk it's not Christopher mm. Nolan. It's um it's Sam Mendes, isn't it? Yes it is. Yeah. Yep. Done largely to appear as a one shot. Mm. Um it is the story of someone who needs to get somewhere else throughout a throughout a battlefield in the war zone uh, to spread a message in 1917 yes <laughs> i forget what Funnily year enough. it's set yeah <laughs> um, and the the camera just tracks and follows through mud through wreckages through gunfights through bombs this is a stunning piece of work technically i don't want to watch this at home because i'm worried that it might not hold up on the ah, tv screen okay you haven't seen this, have you? I haven't. You came back and told me a plot point, which was quite... it. You felt would be quite triggering. And therefore, I haven't felt that I was able to watch it. You I know, don't looking, remember oh, what yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do now. And I've, I don't want to say that. what it is, just yeah, in case no, anyone else hasn't shouldn't. seen it. But you, you warned me and you said, oh, that, you know... I think you did that thing you do when you come back home. This is, you know, just to show everyone what happens. When you when you come back home and you say, are you going to watch it? And I go, nah, probably not. And then you tell me the thing that has stayed with you and mm. you told me a thing that stayed with you or happened in the film that you didn't anticipate that had a resonance with our own personal circumstances. So that was that's stayed with me and therefore even though it's on like streaming services at the moment i haven't mm. felt that i wanted to watch it i probably will at some some point but i just i'm not in the mood for a war film at the minute clearly it's not stayed with me but no. it's, it's been a bloody long year <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um yeah so well made we're now living in times where every single action film you see tends to have a long tracking shot but this just set the bar and set it so high I'd recommend going to see it, apart from you, apparently. <laughs> Thanks. The funniest thing about this, about 1917, is I keep, to myself, I'm going, oh, that won the Oscar. Oh, that won the Oscar. And, of course, it was meant to win the Oscar, wasn't it? It yeah. was an absolutely Oscar-friendly film. It was Sam Mendes. It's always winning an Oscar. Mm. Uh, it was beautifully shot. 
there were fantastic performances we were all told about this one shot and when we did our family quiz a few months back we did a question about who won the Oscar and the majority of the people during our family quiz said that 1917 had won and won the Oscar for best picture that sometimes get really confused because I think it was in inverted commas it was supposed to win it was that Oscar friendly film and yet it didn't so just yeah. as for La La Land <laughs> <laughs> So that's Ooh. my ten to six. Okay. Uh, do you want to tell me one of yours now? <laughs> okay, so my number five, you are so going to roll your eyes at this thing. So, so going to roll your eyes at all my picks here. So my number five was Rebecca, the Ben Wheatley Netflix film. In any other circumstance, this probably wouldn't have made even my top ten. But as we've already said, I haven't seen many films this year for all sorts of weird, wonderful reasons. So when I looked at what I had seen, Rebecca actually was something that I really enjoyed. I know I was expecting from Ben Wheatley more gothic, more horror. And therefore I was really surprised that it was just a standard period drama. But you know what? In this year... I just wanted a standard period drama. I wanted a bit of Keely Halls hamming it up. I wanted a bit of Sam Riley being the, the oh, he's a baddie. Oh, he's, he's a wrong one. I just wanted some of that. And that's what I got. I think Lily James is always captivating. I think she's absolutely just beautiful and engaging. And the whole idea of Mandalay, which, of course, I knew was Hatfield House and kept mentioning <laughs> the entire time, oh, we've been there, we've been there. It's actually not really Mandalay. It's this Elizabethan manner. Just like you know, we've never been to... Have we not been there? No. Oh, I have. You're talking about someone else. <laughs> no, no, I think it's just I have been there so many times. Yeah, I that that was my number five. And like I say, in any other time, it probably wouldn't even have you know sniffed into the into the top ten. But because I haven't seen many films this year, and I thought, you know what, I liked, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think it got like two out of five. Like even like Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian gave it two, two out. of five and i can see why some i think it's got like 40 percent on rotten tomatoes i don't care i enjoyed it i'd watch it again i didn't hate it Mm. i think it was a perfectly serviceable film but when you have such such a history of the original um such an expectation from uh from from ben wheatley's work for me it's a three-star film um, I could have done without her twatting around in Monaco for <laughs> for twenty minutes at the beginning. I like the bit in Monaco. I like that bit. But it's not what you're there for, is it? I like the idea of being in Monaco and sitting out on a balcony and eating lovely food. Watch, wish you were here. <laughs> 
is beautiful, isn't it? I keep it just the way it was. It's as if she'd just gone out for a while. So my number five is The Assistant. The Assistant. You've talked to me about this recently. Yes. Have you seen it recently? I saw it on Boxing Day. That's it, that's it. When you were asleep. (laughs) Uh, This is directed by Kitty Green and stars Julia Garner, who I know she was in The Americans. Um, I don't think she's been in anything that you'll have seen, although I might be corrected. Do you know anything about this? You have told me about it, and I am now racking my brains as to what you have said. Okay. This is a day in the life of a Hollywood assistant. It would be go too far to say that this is a personal assistant. Mm-hmm. This is someone at the very lowest level of Hollywood, acting almost essentially as a dog's body for a Hollywood producer, who may or may not be called <laughs> Wavi Heinstein. Um, this... The camera follows her about as she goes about her task, filling the fridge with water, um, ordering lunch for people. But also, this is set in a pre-Me Too time. And so she finds things on office floors. She has to take deliveries of things. She has to accompany people who have been flown in from a city to work at the office that that she feels probably shouldn't be stuck working there. This is incredibly, incredibly powerful. You never actually see the producer. Um, he is... Occasionally you'll see a shadow walk past the screen. You will hear a voice conversation between them. You will They will c- converse via email. It is such a brilliant take on that. It's so... But it's really powerful. It's really quiet. It's a really lo-fi film. And I think a lot of these are because when I like films, and this is a preview of what's going to come up, I like films that are sort of one end or the other of the scale. Um, And there hasn't been a lot of many blockbuster mad cap films this year, so a lot of mine are very quiet films Mm. this year. uh, They're very introspective, aren't they? A lot of the things that you've come back and spoken to me about Mm. sound a little bit off the wall, but very quiet, very introspective think pieces rather than your big blockbusters mm. which as we know just haven't haven't been out in the in the cinema this year i'd really recommend this for you especially oh, right, okay. i think you would find this really interesting it's a female director and i think you need that just to show just show the show some empathy to the situation i think it could end up being a little more leery with a male director just just by the way it works and probably someone who has come through the hollywood system and has mm. seen this happen in first and, hand. and probably has something to say and has, yeah. a, has a voice there this originally started as a documentary okay um right. and there were interviews done with people but then they realized it would be better told as a piece of fiction based on the accounts of people mm-hmm. who work there mm-hmm. yeah it's on sky cinema right now it didn't get a lot of publicity I at the time really heard about it, no. it's got one and a half stars on the sky cinema oh, guide really? um it's on got like yeah 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 it's got a six percent six rating why on do IMDb. you think that is after what you've said why is that why is that the case? Because I think if you say it's about someone who's living, who's working in Hollywood, in a Me Too environment, I think people go in expecting bombshell. Right, okay. And this definitely isn't, isn't that. that. This is so subtly... It's as much about the people around this executive and how they react to everything than it is the actions of the um, executive themselves. Okay. But it 
it's so interesting. It's it's only about ninety minutes long. It absolutely flies by. If if you can live with almost monotonous scenes of people filling up bottles with Fiji water, mm. um, then yeah, <laughs> you'll enjoy you'll enjoy this. Interesting. Enjoy That's is cool. a strong word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but interesting, it's come so high up on your list. Oh yeah, this immediately moved nineteen seventeen down, and I did this list, and then this this just went straight in there. Have a seat. Whatever's going on, you can tell me. That's what I'm here for. You're relatively new to the company. I mean, I've been working here for nearly two months. And you're under a lot of stress. Entry-level jobs in this industry are tough, right? Long hours? First one in, last one out. Good night. You're smart. You have to be smart. It's a tough job, but I can see that you've got what it takes. I want those new pages before I get on the plane. He promised the first thing. Where are we at? 200K and two points. Maybe you can put in a good word for you. No, he'll hire externally. Listen, his schedule has shifted. Does 7 p.m. work? Still at the hotel or? Yes. What? This is turkey. I said chicken. <laughs> There's a girl waiting. Oh, her. She's been here before, a few times. What is it? The wife. Say he's in an important meeting. No, say he's in a screening. Where is he? What did you say to him? What did you say? They told me you were smart. I overreacted. It was not my place to question your decision. I will not let you down again. Your number four. So my number four, where is it? <laughs> my list isn't quite as good. I have a pink post-it note in front of me <laughs> rather than your beautiful list. So um, my number four is Tenet. I'm looking at you thinking, is Tenet going to be anywhere on your list? Nowhere near. Nowhere? No. Not on your list at all? Not on my list at all. So can we talk about Tenet? We can. Now, I know that Tenet has not been appearing on anyone's list this year. I've looked at all the, I've looked at Guardian's list, you know, my usual newspapers, I've looked at Empire, I've looked at it, and I've listened to quite a few podcasts as well. Not all of them yet, so I can't say it's on all the ones that I've, I've listened to, but from what I've listened and read so far, Tenet is not appearing on anyone's list and you know what this may be me being ungenerous or thinking thinking about this too much but there's part of me that thinks that there was so much hype around Christopher Nolan's Tenet Tenet was going to save cinema there was this idea that he wouldn't put it on any of the streaming services that he would only allow it to be in the cinema because he wanted to um, he wanted to Put the work of his actors, his crew, you know, all the people around his production, but also all the other cinematic productions as well, and the people working in cinema. There was all that this talk around it, that the hype was built up to so much extent, that when it did come out, people quite enjoyed tearing it down. And there is part of me that thinks that there's something a little bit, oh well, it failed, to the not putting it on the list. Now, I may be overthinking it, I may just feel a sense of empathy with Christopher Nolan for going out there, for making this film, for, you know, putting... I always think, you know, when someone's really worked really hard on something that they clearly really, really loved and they wanted it to be in the cinema, they talk a lot about... the. the 
what is happening in in the world at the moment and trying to save jobs etc etc i'm not going to go into it too much but there is there's something there that you know makes me think that maybe we've done him a bit of an injustice in not i mean it's not going to be in people's top two or whatever i can totally understand there are a number of other films out there that have captured people's imaginations but to leave it off sort of top 20 films of the year there's part of me that feels like there's a there's a bit of there's a bit too much joy attached to that oh well we're not we're not going to put it on there we're not going to put the one big blockbuster of the year it's just not gonna it's not gonna appear on on there i wanted to put it on my list because i i didn't understand it i found it massively frustrating it boggled my mind but i still think about it now and i loved that experience of going to the cinema we hadn't been in such a long time we went together. It was the one time we've been to the cinema together this this year. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. You know, we had a really great time as like a couple going to the cinema, and it's it's bound up in all of that. And I know it is, and I'm I'm making that point now. It's not just oh, I love the film. I thought it was totally bonkers. I didn't understand it. You had to explain it to me on the podcast. I still don't quite get it. But I want to watch it again. I'm desperate to buy it and to see it again. And I sat in that in that cinema, just having the time of my life. The big bong bong music, the vibrations, the action. I loved Robert Pattinson, and the, you know this a little bit John Hurt. He was coming out with I thought at times and. And I thought John David Washington, who I didn't really know, was such a compelling presence. I'd really like to see him in other things. Kenneth Branagh was was playing a Bond villain. A terrible, terrible Bond villain. You know, all of those things I can still remember. I still remember seeing the waves going backwards and jumping up buildings. I I can talk about it with a real sense of joy and that's why it's made my number four. So I don't have any problem with you putting it at number four. I have a problem with it being a badly made film. Um, there are badly made films that nearly got on my list due to numbers were eked out. Bill and Ted Face the Music is <laughs> yeah. not a good film, but I, as soon as Missy came on screen getting married to Deacon, I smart, a big smile came on my face and that remained the way all the way through the massively flawed plot. And in an earlier version, that was in my list. As was Bloodshot, which was the first film I saw back at the cinemas after they reopened. And I still stand by that that's not a bad film if you give it half an hour. But when people are en masse coming out saying, I couldn't understand what people were saying, that is just a badly made film. That There's nothing about that, and that should never have reached that stage in the cinemas. Um, I, I don't necessarily get the glee. I think people are strongly disappointed about I don't think it's glee. I think it's just disappointment. Mm. It, they're not angry at it. They're not upset about it. They're just massively disappointed. Because there's no one who's a bigger darling of critics than Nolan. I mean, even Dark Knight Rises like get got good write-ups, and that's not a good film it, for me. I would like to watch it again, because I'd like to be able to put subtitles on and see if I can understand <laughs> what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah... Um, Fair, if, if 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 it's made you happy, yes. then that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't begrudge you that, but you're wrong. Um. 
You want to crash a plane. But not from the air. That was so dramatic. Well, how big a plane? That part is a little dramatic. My number four is Saint Maud. I thought Saint Maud would be higher for you. At any other year, any of my top four could be number one. Um, and might be number one jumping around. There are there are I'd say that I think there are three better films than this, but Saint Maud certainly struck a chord. And it's the darling of the critics this year. Isn't it? I yeah. feel quite annoyed because I feel like I'm coming out going. <laughs> Yeah, this little film. You came home and you just said that was like five star. But you told me the plot. I went, oh, that sounds ridiculous. And then you went, it's five stars, five stars. <laughs> and you were totally taken by it. And then everyone else started talking about it as well. Now, do you think that before you go into your, sorry, you've just gone, you've just opened your mouth to speak. But oh, now I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that in any other year, St Maud would have got the attention that it has because this is again like you say it's a small film it's a quiet film it's a little British horror and little British horrors don't normally get very much attention I don't think so I'm looking at I'm seeing various people's top 20 top 10 something like this this is always a film that would appeal to for example Mark Kermard because it's a horror film Yep. With a little bit of religion slice in there. Nice. And they appear on his top ten, <laughs> yeah. being a fan of his, they appear on his top ten films all the time. Absolutely. So I've watched a lot of them and I've gone, what? For a lot of them. <laughs> this just worked for me. It's directed by Rose Glass, who's a first time film director. It stars Morford Clark, who's a British actress. She was in a film that may come up later on. Oh, no, it might. Um, and this is a star making performance for her. I know that I said there's a lot of hyperbole come on my reviews. I think this is one of the greatest performances I've seen from a British actress. She stars as a care worker. She's had something happen in her past, and it's we never find out what it is, but it's hinted at all the way throughout the film. And through that, she's found religion. She's in private healthcare, and she takes care of, of Jennifer Eel, who's a ballet dancer, um, who's terminally ill, is living her life still, and... Morford Clark's uh, character Maud feels the need to save her soul, and to top it all off, it all takes place in Scarborough, <laughs> which is five stars in one itself. Of your, one of your favourite places, yeah, like but genuinely. The, oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. You go to Scarborough all the time, yeah. Well, in better times, <laughs> yeah. But the the seafront and the the mm. mood and the the cliffs and the sound of the water, mm. it all just adds to the mood of this film. I cannot tell you what happened no, because no, you cannot. It, but all I can say is the best review I ever saw was the one from James Dyer, mm-hmm. who came out and tweeted, "Fuck me," <laughs> and that was what they used front and center <laughs> on them on their digital marketing when it came out in the cinemas. <laughs> and and I came out of the cinema and I came out and I said, "Yeah, fuck me." Yeah, that is a film. Yeah, I uh, would like to see it once it comes out on the. On the streaming. It's not one to background watch. Is it not? I think okay. it's all in the mood and the I would mm. recommend maybe putting on headphones and watching it on a right. lap. Uh, yeah. Do I, think do you I need, need a that. pillow? Is it a horror horror? Is it sort of a no. supernatural type thing? No. Do I need to hide behind the sofa for this? It's not. But it's not 
it, I mean, it's not people with sheets over their heads mm. going around pretending to be ghosts. Mm-hmm. It's not Casper. Mm. Um, it's... What would I compare it to? Yeah, it's more... Mm, I'm not going to compare it to anything, because I think to do that might okay. give a clue to where the film so, might go. for example, horror that I love, American Werewolf in London. It's gruesome, it's right in your face, there's a lot of blood. Is it more American Werewolf in London, or is it more paranormal activity in terms of a horror neither okay right that's really helpful thanks love yeah <laughs> um yeah if i told you if i told you a film that it would mm-hmm. go would it closer just be too, to yeah it just be too much yeah yes i think okay. it would be it would give away where the film is going to go fine okay let's not do that then dear god here is amanda well you know that thank you for bringing us together lord And thank you for this meal, which we gratefully receive. Bless Amanda's body, which is hurting now, but has done so many wonderful things. And bless her mind, which is shrouded in darkness. And reach out to her like you did to me. Amen. Your number, we're in top threes now. I know, my number three. I think this is going to take you by surprise because we have not spoken about this film. So are you ready? My number three is A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. I thought it might be on your list. Oh, oh man. Well, you came <laughs> off, well, we did talk about it. You watched it and said, oh, that is such a lovely film. Oh, I'm so... It is a great, great film. And, and it's I'm... not the film you think it's going to be. <laughs> That's what I was just about to say. It's not the film that you think it is. When you hear about, like, I don't know anything about Mr. Rogers. Like, being from the UK, we we don't know Mr. Rogers, do we? We know Gary Wilmot and Play Days. Jeffrey from Rainbow. Jeffrey from Rainbow. And, yeah, all of that sort of stuff. We've got our own sort of, like... Dave Benson Phillips. Exactly. Why bad? Why bad, yeah. All of those sorts of things. Are you going to come up with any more? Yeah, all of them. (laughs) Lizzie. So yeah, we've got our Roger and Freddie, and um, we've got our set Mr. Tumble. in the in the in the UK Balamori. of children's TV and children's presenters that we've known growing up, particularly as, particularly as kids. Like you stop now, particularly <laughs> as kids are like the nineties and late eighties, right? So we've we've got our own sort of we've got our people that we we know. We've got our own references. Yes. Now, Mr. Rogers is obviously this big guy in, in America that I had never heard of until this came out. Tom Hanks is playing Mr. Rogers. He is well-known, lovely children's TV presenter who um, is beloved of, of, of American TV. And you've got Matthew Reese playing a journalist called Lloyd Vogel. Origin- this is because it's a real story. He, the journalist is not called... Lloyd Vogel, which found really odd. I was like, why did they not just call him who he was? I think his name was Tom. But anyway, in real life, the journalist, played by Matthew Reese, goes to interview Mr. Rogers under some duress, it has to be said, for Esquire magazine. And there's, I re- what I really like in the film is they actually, if they, they use Esquire and they show you Esquire at that time. And it's, it's, I quite like that. It was a bit of a period piece, really. He goes to meet Mr. Rogers under duress and they strike up a friendship. And to say anything else about this, a bit like St. Maud, would be to give quite a lot away. And you would you would be surprised, I think, to hear me say that because you'd kind of just think that this is one of those, oh, he meets Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers says things about him, he thinks about his life different. You know, that's how he teaches him something. This is such a clever, clever film and such a 
deeply emotional film. And I think part of that comes from the performances. Hank's got a number of nods in terms of supporting actor. And I was really surprised to see that Matthew Reese didn't get any. I was looking it up, like, what, mm. what were the nominations here? And Hank's got nominations at the Oscars, got nominations at BAFTA, or the Lord of Others, Golden Globes, things like that. But Reese didn't seem to get a shoe in, or maybe he just got a few compared, compared to Hank's. Now, I think Reese is absolutely up here, you know, with, with Hank's on this. He is, he is playing someone who has a traumatic past who is dealing with things in his personal life. He's a first-time father and things are coming out in in his life and the complexities and the beautiful characterization that Matthew Reese brings to the to the party here is just just wonderful to watch. I think he's absolutely compelling engaging presence on the screen and is really going toe to toe with Tom Hanks here. Mm. To, to me, he, maybe he didn't get a supporting actor because he's really the star of this. I was going to say, show. who is the star of this? Well, is it... It, it, is a, it is a two-hander, but I think Reese is on the screen more than, okay. than Hanks. But then again, he should have got you know, lead, lead actor. I just I feel he should have got more recognition for his performance. I think it's probably one of them things where if he's the secondary, he probably does get a nod, mm. but he's not going to go up against the powerhouses yeah. of awards season. Yeah. And I love and, Matthew Rhys. Yes. Um, I think he's such an underrated actor. Totally. And he appears in so many things. that are, I mean, I saw the post that he was in recently, but also with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, although I don't think they share a screen in that. Um, and yeah. I really, I really do want to watch this, mm. and I think only based on what you said because I, when when it came out at the time, I thought, well, that's not for me. Well, I think this is for you as a first time dad. This, I think, as a as a film for dads. Will I cry? Yes, you will. It really speaks to. There are a number of women in the film, but I think this is this is absolutely looking at parenthood from the point of view of fathers it's really looking at fatherhood so it's looking at lloyd and lloyd is the the journalist in this matthew reese so he's looking at he is a first-time dad is he going to revisit the sins of the father there's a lot of that that sort of thematic of you know what what did my dad do am i going to be the same as my dad um looking at mr rogers in terms of he's almost like a dad to a to a nation he is acting as a parent to a nation but the film isn't scared to look at maybe I don't want to say a dark side of Mr. Rogers because that sort of like implies that something sort of wrong going on there. But you know, has he made parenting mistakes in his life? Because people put him on a pedestal and say, "Oh, he's so good with all these children," and indeed the film shows him being that way. And yet, with with his own children, has he made errors in in his parenting? Would he want to do something differently? You know, I think there's this beautiful thread of fatherhood going all the way through it. My other point to make just before we move on is the direction. When I keep saying this is not what you think it is, I think you think of a film like this, a bit of like almost like a biopic, where it's going to be, you know, it's a biopic by numbers. You're going to meet the journalist. He's going to meet Mr. Rogers. He's going to learn something. You know, it's just going to be like, there are some quirky directorial decisions here there was a framing device at the beginning of the film that i'm not going to talk about because when i sort of saw it it really took me back and i thought wow this is not what i thought this was going to be and then i thought oh well that's quite it's quirky it's fun off we go with the film and yet it kept coming back and i really enjoyed 
the innovation in terms of the direction and the director is Marielle Heller who directed can you I always get this wrong can you ever ever forgive forgive me me? I was like can you forgive me ever (laughs) question mark she's 41 she's done can you ever forgive me she's done um this film and she also did another one from a couple of years ago we'll talk about this the other day yes we were we were it must be something we've watched recently. No, it's not. It's something I think we've got on the, on record. Diary of a Teenage Girl. That's it. So she's. I think she's only done three feature films. Weirdly, she's appeared as an actress in The Queen's Gambit that everyone's been going on about and I still haven't watched yet. Okay. You know the TV show, The Queen's Gambit on Netflix? She's also an actress uh-huh. in Pop Star Never Stop, <gasps> Never Stopping. Yes, yes, I saw that. She's like a documentary. Um, When I looked up on Wikipedia before. Yeah, so, you know. More more points for her. <laughs> One of the things I really enjoyed learning about was um, like she's 41, she's got a couple of kids, she insisted on ensuring that they did 10-hour days on set with no lunch break so that people could go home and be with their children in the night time. So, she's starving the staff. <laughs> what a tyrant. No, but you know what I mean? Like Not having like three hours for break, a big break for lunch, everyone goes off. It's, you know, you eat around when you can, but you go home and you're not there till two, three in the morning. So I thought that was really interesting in terms of um, women in film. I want my lunch. <laughs> you're going to get your lunch. Don't worry. No one's taking your lunch away from you. And this is on Sky Cinema right now, it isn't is. it? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Beautiful film. Go out and watch it. Brilliant. Bill was right. You love people like me. What are people like you? I've never met anyone like you in my entire life. Broken people. I don't think you were broken. I know you are a man of conviction. A person who knows the difference between what is wrong and what is right. Try to remember that your relationship with your father also helped to shape those parts. He helped you become what you are. I need to look at you for this one, mm-hmm. see if we talk about it now. Okay. My number three mm-hmm. is Parasite. Let's talk about it now. Is it not on your list? Oh, no, it's my, it's my number two. Oh, okay. So that works. So that's what I mean. Yeah. Right. So oh, that yeah. works. Right. So that works. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Having said that, I don't think there's anything else that needs to be said about Parasite. It's really difficult, isn't it, to have a conversation about Parasite? Cause... See twenty-minute podcast that we recorded on yeah. air. See every review. Mm, I think it's made a number of top of the list. <laughs> A number of top of the list. A number of top of the list. But yeah, it's the top of a lot of lists, isn't it? It's number one in a lot of lists. I don't think it should be number one because I think I prefer. There, I have problems with the ending that I Mm. don't have on the two films Mm -hmm. that are above. Yeah, I think that would be the one thing. The it it goes on a bit too much, doesn't it? There's a fourth act that I don't think it needs, Mm -hmm. but it is a phenomenal achievement, and in any other year, it would probably top my list. I, rem- I really remember us sitting, watching it, 
I knew nothing about it and had waited for ages to see it. And we just didn't move. And normally, you know, pause it here, mm. go for a drink, come back down, baby cries, go and sort him out. And actually, I think he was really good that night. And we just sat and watched this production that was so intricate, watching this family infiltrate another family and some real moments of comedy, but also moments of, you know, hand over your mouth. <laughs> There's a particular bit I'm thinking about where um, one family is in a, in a room where the other family members don't know that they're there. So yes. not giving anything away for people who haven't seen Parasite. And you are seeing the characters overhearing things that they wouldn't have typically Mm. have heard and there's so much in there about class and about privilege and just so heartbreaking but mortifying at the same time there are lines in that film that stay with me Mm. um i don't think it's actually a spoiler but i'll be blessed by the lovely weather yet by this weather last night and like i think it is nearly perfect apart from the last five minutes. But it's still a five-star film. I would recommend it to anyone. Um, I think we said at the t- don't be put off by the two inches at the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easily accessible. I think after five minutes, you don't even notice that you're reading subtitles. Um, it's beautifully shot. I want to live in that house. house. Apart from one thing <laughs> about the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. Um, and see other podcast about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 저기 벌써 끝내셨나 봐요. 어머님. 제 옆에 와서 좀 앉아 보세요. 다성이는 올라가 있어. 다송이가 좀 전에 그린 건데요. 아, 네. 저 어머니랑 둘이서만 얘기 나누고 싶은데. 아, 저기 이분은 아니요. 우리 자리 좀 비켜줘요. Right then. Oh, so that's your number that's two. That's my number two. So we've done three, we've done two. We're actually, we're at one. Oh, no, no we're not. You're, no, you're, I need to do you're, number two. You need to do two, you need to do two. My number two is Rocks. Not to be confused with the Sofia Coppola film On the Rocks. Um, this is directed by Sarah Gavron, who did Suffragette and Brick Lane. I think this is the least known film on my list. So, Rocks is about a brother and sister in a single parent family living in the outskirts of London. Um, one day they come from home from school and their mother has left them a note saying she has to go away for a while. And it follows the two of them as they just try and cope. They don't want to get their mother in trouble. So they try and keep things from the people around them and people who are trying to help them. But as they carry on making making these decisions, they get further and further into trouble. This is such a lovely film. Um, it's played largely by non-trained actors. Um, so Bucky Bakre, who plays the titular Rocks, 
she carries every scene so well. I don't understand why we are giving actors awards if someone can just come in and smash it like this. <laughs> Good point. Uh, D'Angelo Ose Kissidou uh, plays her younger brother Emmanuel, who is so innocent and charming and sees the world through diff- through child's eyes. He has the best cut out of anyone this year, including uh, Lenny James's character in Save Me. The yellow cover. Um, this had such such a troubled a such a troubled release in that it came out it smashed the new york uh, the london film festival it got a five star review in empire and the week that it was due to be released cinemas had to close i think it made maybe a few cinemas around london but they were forced to go to netflix i just think netflix it, it was really hard to find on netflix i had to like it, it sounds stupid I had to type ROC into Netflix search on the mm-hmm. weekend it was released mm-hmm. just to find it. If you do that, you will not be let down. It is such a lovely film. The, the cast are amazing. It's funny at times. It's really tense at times. It's heartbreaking at times. It really is an absolutely superb piece of work. Um, and. I'm tempted to go back and watch Suffragette, which is not a film that I would normally watch, mm. just because I'm so interested to see Sarah Gavron's other work. Okay, that's really good. Um, I think on the back of it, Bucky Backroads actually got a scholarship with the RSC. Oh, wow. Which, um, that's I mean, amazing. that's life changing for her. Yeah. Because she is just someone who grows up on an estate yeah. in, in London. Um, she's looks like she she's got some other things in her IMDb, like mm-hmm. but small credits. Just starting off with that, but oh, that's yeah. This is such a lovely film and it needs to be seen, so please do. And that's on Netflix, like I said. Let him f- let him serve it. I could say. Okay. Let him serve the eggs. Come on. Let me serve the eggs. No! Mm-mm. Yeah, leave him. Mm. Come on, you're far too mature for that. No, you eat your eggs. Don't tell me what to do. You're going to eat or what? Yeah. yeah. Shall we say the Lord's Prayer because we're eating yams? Okay. Our Father, he's up in heaven. Long be thy name. Thy kingdom come. I won't be done. And earth is as heaven. Give us our stay, our daily bread, and give us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass us against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. To the remix. Preacher. Thank you. Go on. Number one. Unsurprisingly, it's the personal history of David Copperfield. A film that you said was okay and I said was brilliant. And you know what? I've sat and thought about is it Parasite? Is it David Copperfield? Is it, you know, and part of me thinks, well, of course it's Parasite. Of course it's Parasite. But you know what? I just loved that. I think it just ticks a lot of boxes for me. It's a period piece. It's a Dickens. It's got every British actor you can think of just popping up in every scene. Morphin Clark. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That you sat in two in roles. First, yeah, playing his mum and later on his girlfriend. Bit weird, but there we go. Freud has a field there. <laughs> I just loved it. Every scene, sumptuous. Every time we just moved on in the story, such a pace, but innovative. And the movement from one to another, that's a really interesting thematic 
pieces to do with mental health and how we pigeonhole people in, in certain roles and they don't want to be in those roles. I could just go on and go on and go on. But the main thing for me, because I was thinking about this in the car on the way home today, I've been to Tesco and I've mm. come back and I've gone, why do I love this film so much? And I think it's that idea of writing the diary, of being the storyteller, of, of, of putting thing down, things down on paper. And it hadn't just clicked until I sat in the car today and it really just went, oh, of course. The personal history of David Copperfield, personal history, doing a diary, writing a story. It's something that I do in my professional life. I, what, <laughs> you're just Uh-oh. laughing that I know. But yeah, I do. I write a lot academically about storytelling and narrative and your personal history. And I've written a lot about writing a diary and what it is to write a diary. And I think that's what it is. I mean, you you, you have a PhD because of this. So yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So th- I, that, of course, you know, didn't hit me at the time. But now that I've thought about it, it just, was that a bit of a light bulb going off? Well, of course, you know, those little scraps of paper that he has throughout the film, which writing down his life story, just reminds me of things that I do within my professional and in my academic life. So I think that's why it has such a resonance with me. And that's why it's my number one. I'm glad it's your number one. It wasn't in contention for me. I, I'm i glad I watched it. I enjoyed it. I've seen so many films this year that it didn't get close to the top ten. I mean, we've done this quite recently on the podcast, yeah. so um, I have issues with the storytelling. But I think the film that it goes with so closely this year, and you're not going to expect me to say this, and this is a film that you purposely didn't watch because everyone said it was actually all right. <laughs> Sounds like me. Is Enola Holmes. Oh. They share a style. And whereas... You see, a, you know, in the way in David Caulfield, you see a page turn and the page then turns into the scene. Mm. It's very much how Enola Holmes goes. And that was one of Netflix films that was all over the place for a weekend. And only when I was going through what films I'd seen this year did that come up to me and go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it, it's a fine film and I'm really glad that you got a lot out of it. But it's... it's it's the second best Morford Clark film of the year for me. <laughs> and we forgot to say, actually, in our review, that a number of the scenes were shot in Hull, which has a particular significance for, for you and I. I was looking through. It was filmed on the street which I used to live, which is one of shown to be one of the most affluent parts of London. <laughs> I'll tell you what, my flat was not affluent <laughs> down that street. And you would never know that it was Hull. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? And you said, it's just that one street. And you were telling me, like, what was at the end of the street that way and what was the end of the street on the left. And But this tiny, tiny... I just love the idea of, like, the filmmaking, that they took this tiny, tiny bit of Hull, this little back street of Hull, and made it into London. I mean, there is other bouts of Hull that are shown on it. It's not just this yeah, one street. Yeah, but that's what one I'm <laughs> thinking of. Don't just make out, like, yeah, Hull's got this one street that's really nice. <laughs> no, but actually, part of it, they, they don't make it look nice. They make it look quite run down and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hull's a beautiful city it in is, parts. Yeah. Yes, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying, from a filmmaking it. perspective, it was interesting for me to see this one, you know, this tiny, tiny bit of your city of birth, and for it to have been created into this London street. Mr. Dick, Mr. Dick, is it lunch? The the, the, the troubling thoughts from King Charles's head. They uh, they weigh you down. Yes, I try and keep them in order, but they do pile up and oppress me. As I die, I move from the corruptible crown to in. No, 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 M- M- Mr. Dick. We can release them. 
We can cast them to the wind. I'd say that I'm feeling much better. You have to fly it first. Come on. Hey, time! <laughs> Lead on! Lead on! I can't believe it. The sky is absorbing my words. The higher the words go, the clearer my mind becomes. Oh, I, I haven't felt like this. It's as if I'm reading for the bar again. Before everything, I used to share a staircase with Tommy Traddles, who's a terrific fellow. And camarade très formidable, as the French say. Well, now, there's the thing. I completely forgotten that I can, I can speak French. <laughs> this, this is a remarkable day. It's a delight to see you so liberated. Isn't that magnificent? Beautiful. Right, number one. I'm trying to think what it could be if it's not going to be Parasite. My number one is never really, sometimes, always. And you will sense the change of tone of the voice here. Uh, so this is directed by Eliza Hitman. Um, I think she's done one indie film in the past, but this is um, this is largely a first mainstream film. This is the story of Autumn, who's played by Sydney Flanagan. She's a 17-year-old girl who lives in rural Pennsylvania who finds herself pregnant. She decides it would be best for her to have a termination, but the state rules say that she can't do that without parental consent. And she her family situation is such that she feels she cannot reach out to her parents or people responsible for her to do that. So she has to travel to New York with her cousin Skylar, played by Talia Ryder, where the state rules are different. This is almost as if it's a fly-on-the-wall documentary. Um, it's filmed very intimately. You get to know these girls just by them hanging around around, on, around New York City, just them killing time overnight because they don't have a lot of money there's not a lot of things they can do to eat or anything like that so they just have to spend time just walking the streets and meeting people and trying to find things to kill time um the the things that they show in this is that even though the the system is in place to put barriers up for for people in this situation there are people inside who really care. Uh, there is a long scene, which is a one-shot of an interview that takes place with a care worker. And the title of the film comes from the questions which she asks, the multiple choice questions. So she will ask a question and the answer needs to be, is it never, is it rarely, is it sometimes, or is it always? And that's kind of a five, ten minute scene just on Sidney Flanagan just sat in a chair. But it never feels like it because... The questions tell you so much about this. We don't get backgrounds on these characters. We don't. There's not an origin story or anything like that. It doesn't start with two people in a car or anything like that. As as could so easily happen. We just see the situation they are in, and how they are trying to move on from it. This is a female director, and this could only be done by a female director because it's so powerfully done. It doesn't romanticise any of the situations that they are in, but nor does it judge anyone. Um, and I'm just looking at my list, my top five, four of them are female directors, mm. which I think is a definitely a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you've not seen this film. No, I haven't. It's not something that I feel that I can watch at the moment, having had some of the experiences that I've had recently, I'm avoiding anything to do with pregnancy, yeah. no matter what, what that is, mm. um, with absolutely you know no worries about um, look, watching a film with termination or anything like that. I think, interestingly, from a political point of view, I'm really pro this film showing the barriers that are put up, particularly, not necessarily just for young women, but for all women in various different situations. Um, not being able to access healthcare. There's there's been a, a lot of work politically done around that uh, recently. Mm. So I, I'm really for, and I know you might be like, oh, you know, don't, maybe the politics, you know. But I'm, I'm giving really... one word answers here because I yeah. feel that a 40 year old man from the UK does not need to be weighing into this situation. Mm. I think I, I agree entirely what you say. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, completely. I think it's a really important film and, and I like the idea that it is and whilst I won't be watching it for reasons of my own, for my own pers- personal mm. reasons in terms of I'm, I'm just not and I probably might, I might be in 10 years time, I don't know, but I'm just not got the headspace at the moment to watch a film about someone being pregnant no matter what the circumstances. Yeah. I, I just, but I just think this is just so important to show the journey to show how difficult it is to sh- to show these experiences on the screen. Uh, yeah, well, I 100% mm-hmm. agree. And I went in knowing the subject matter, but not anything else about it, really. And I was just blown away. Mm. Um, it's it's so well made. It's so good. The chemistry between the girls. It Like, when I say it, it could be a fly-on-the-wall documentary, I really mean it. Um, the people they come across where you don't, you get to know them and you think you know them. And you wonder about the motivations of yeah. the people involved. Yeah. There are guys who see two girls who are on a bus to New York who claim that they're in their early 20s. Yeah. I can't speak highly enough about this. And I fully understand the reasons you don't want to watch it, but I really wish you would so I could talk to yeah, you about yeah. it more. And it's it's not about the termination. Yeah. It's not about the... Um, the, the you know inverted commas the politics of it mm. all because I agree with the politics mm. it's, it's just not for me at the moment yeah I'm really excited to see what Eliza Hitman's next film mm. is because this is done this would be this might be in my top 10 films of all time um, it moved me that much mm. don't let the sun catch you year for cinema then given everything that's happened i would say it's a bad year for cinema it's a good <laughs> no, year for film no, but i mean for you like if that's going to be in your top 10 of all time oh yeah yeah i mean between rocks never really sometimes always and parasite any of them would be number one 
in most years. And I think yeah, maybe it's just the situation we find ourselves in that I've gone for very bleak, very small, very insular films. Not bleak, really. That's not that's well, not really I, fair. I think some some of the the subject matters mm. are dark. They're yeah. not exactly light and fluffy. I would add, so yeah, well, I'd say rock. I'd say certainly rocks. When I talk about the subject matter, that's not the mood of the film. The mood of the film is at times like that, but it's also quite joyous at times, and um, it is the the banter of the girls between themselves are so good. Um, I'm reviewing something else now, but I'm I going back to <laughs> number two film. But yeah, um, yeah, I think it's been a very very good year for film, despite there being no blockbusters, and despite me still having yet to be able to see Wonder Woman 1984 without breaking just, the law. You're just itching for that. You keep mentioning that like every day now. You do know that. You mentioned Wonder Woman 84 every day. Because it, it's, it's now on my timeline. It's now people giving people their opinions on it. People saying it, yeah. And I've, like, I've muted all the hashtags, mm. but I'm still seeing things come through. Yeah. I genuinely thought that this podcast would be about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. We are We are hitting way beyond that. Isn't that interesting? How long have we gone? We're, we're over an hour, well over oh. an hour. So I've got a lot of editing to do. Well, enjoy that. <laughs> I will. <laughs> we'll make TV a bit snappier. Yeah, we're, we're, so we've done top 10-ish, my top five, um, of films. We're going to do top 10 TV and that will be a lot better because I have watched a lot of television. And I think year. there's more crossover there as well. Yeah. So, so it's we watched be less TV together, didn't we? Yeah, it's going to be less us telling each other about the TV <laughs> shows. Yeah. wonder what your number one's going to be. I'm just gonna look at my list. And I know what I know what it's gonna be. Up to you. Yes. Have you done it already? Have you done your list? I've my list done. Oh, yeah. I haven't done my list yet. I'm gonna have to get on. Right. Back to the darts. <laughs> right. Well, that's Elaine's number one. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Right. We just want to say thank you to everyone, all our friends, family, and anyone who's listened. Really, I think we started this in March, was it? We think. I think so. <laughs> and it was just basically just to keep us sane during the first lockdown, and it's, we've had so much fun doing it. It's got us speaking to people who I never thought we'd speak to. Mm. Uh, it's got us appearing in the papers, for God's sake. So <laughs> that's <A bit> uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you have some great moments, don't you? Where your phone will just beep. And totally randomly, one of your mates will start quoting things that you've said on the podcast. Back to you. Yeah, um, pointing out my mistakes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I got a nice one saying, just listening to Bob Marley the other day, which is <laughs> handy, nice of them. Just anyone who's listened, uh, it really means a lot to us that like just something we do just to keep ourselves amused and happy. It means a lot that it, a lot of people really enjoy it so um i mean it's a real bonus we think we've carried on doing it if no one was listening but Absolutely. but please please carry on yeah, please carry on uh, yeah and we really want to say thank you to the podcasters who have really supported us this year as well we're very new podcasting having listened to podcasts for years we even went to a podcast festival for heaven's sake do you remember I did. we went to a podcast festival a couple of years ago and watched our other favorite podcasters out there sort of do it doing their thing we never thought we'd be doing this but we've really been overwhelmed by the support that we've had from the podcasting community. Um, as I've now come to learn, it's called the Podern family, which I, I learned pretty quickly. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> this is the end of the podcast here. <laughs> but yeah, th- thanks to everyone out there who also does podcasting and, and thanks for supporting us. And a particular thank you to our friends 
Rob and Rob from the Movie Robcast, who are proper film critics, who do proper film podcasting, (laughs) and have been really kind and invited us on their podcast to talk about Jaws, and more recently, to talk about our top films of the year. So if you're out there, you're really wanting uh, top films of the year, top performances, best supporting actor... A real review of the year, please go and check out the Movie Robcast's latest episode. It's absolutely fantastic. It's so detailed. It's really entertaining. They really take you through all the films of the year. I'm currently working my way through the ones I haven't seen on their list. So, uh, yeah, that that's, I think I've got Hearst next is the next one. Fabulous. So, look, thanks uh, to both of the Robs for really cheering us up this year and for letting us come on your podcast it's yeah, been fantastic thanks guys. thanks guys we really appreciate it. it's really made our year to um <laughs> to appear on other people we didn't, didn't think we'd be doing this one never mind appearing on other people's absolutely so big thank you to everyone out there who has listened and who's engaged with us throughout the course of the year uh, we will be back with more film reviews in the new year and of course we'll be back with our tv reviews pretty shortly as well absolutely yeah see you soon see you later bye Before you go, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the Honeymoon Period podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for The Honeymoon Pod. Finally, if you like this episode and you think someone else would too, please share it. See you next time.